News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm here today with Katie Honan. Hello, Katie. Hi, Chrissy. Harry Siegel is off today. Before we get into the news, this week is Thanksgiving, so we want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners, especially those who donate to us each month. When you set up an automatic monthly donation, that makes you a sustaining member of FAQ NYC and the city, the newsroom we're part of. We asked our sustaining members what inspired them to give, and here are a few of their answers. First, I first discovered the city via its podcast, FAQ NYC. From there, I began reading the website and greatly appreciate the depth it brings to issues that too often get overlooked by larger media entities. Second, independent local journalism is essential for a functioning democracy. I'm impressed by your reporting and a fan of the FAQ NYC podcast. And lastly, the city does local reporting at its best. Its reporters keep me informed on the most important stories and highlight issues and problems that would otherwise go unnoticed. It's invaluable. So, to join these folks and become a sustaining member, go to thecity.nyc slash give and set up an automatic monthly donation. Or if you're already a sustaining member, you can make an extra gift to support our year-end fundraising campaign. And again, that's thecity.nyc slash give. And thank you so much to all of our listeners, readers, and donors. And a happy Thanksgiving to you all. Now, let's take a quick look at some of the news happening here in New York City, from our current mayor to a potential mayoral challenger, Katie. Hi, Chrissy. And to quote Mark Adams, it's called Thanksgiving, not thanks receiving. Uh, <laughs> something to keep in mind. I've never heard anyone call it thanks receiving, but that's what he kept saying. <clears throat> the latest obsession in the inquiries into Mayor Eric Adams's potential ties to Turkey is the existence of a, quote, deputy mayor for operations or DMO list that helped some building owners cut through the city's bureaucratic maze to open. On Tuesday, Mayor Adams and Deputy Mayor Mirazoshi denied such a list exists as the mayor continues to explain that any help he provided for paving the way for the Turkish consulate to open was basic constituent services. Reporting by the New York Times and us at the city and Gothamist WNYC found that a list does exist and includes not just the Turkish consulate, but everything from a high-end sushi restaurant in one Vanderbilt to the Ritz-Carlton to a project at St. Francis College to a preschool in Southeast Queens. And despite what the mayor and deputy mayor have said, Fire Commissioner Law Kavanaugh confirmed that the list does exist, telling NBC New York, quote, the list has always been shared widely with a large number of people and has always been about city interests. Mayor Adams last week launched a legal defense fund to help him pay for the lawyers he's retaining to fend off these turkey investigations. The first question is who will donate? As the mayor said, it will be the people. Of course, who else? Quote, people love me as mayor. Adams said Monday following a town hall in Coney Island. So they have the right to do whatever they want when they love their mayor. That's what America's about. We shall see who he retains as a fundraiser and actually who does end up donating to this legal defense fund, which has a lot of restrictions on who can give money. And finally, Politico has reported that former Governor Andrew Cuomo is eyeing a return to the city of his birth to challenge Mayor Adams in 2025. He's done polling and is seriously thinking about trading wherever he's living or doing right now for City Hall. Chrissy, do you think Andrew Cuomo, former guest of the FAQ podcast, mm. has a serious chance at becoming mayor of New York City? 
Oh my gosh, Katie, that's so much to think about. We've got turkey on turkey um, with some turkeys. Um, okay, one, I'm going to say it. I think there was a bad call that we had him on the podcast. I know that we have, you know, we should have intellectual ideas and whatever. I just, I don't think that that was a good episode. Um, I did call him an asshole on the podcast, which I think will come back to haunt me. Well, I said people <laughs> People said you were an asshole. People so say. Like, some people say. Okay, so it's it could be the Battle of the Queen's Boys. Well, first of all, we've got Andrew Cuomo making his own polling. Like, some people say I should run. I'm like, who? Women who don't mind, like, ass grabbing? Like, I'm sure he still has a lot of people who like him. Like, don't forget, oh, when yeah. he resigned, there were still a lot of men and women who were just like, why is he resigning? This is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, there's still some people who think about him as the leader during COVID, mm-hmm. who seemed very competent and very organized in an incredibly scary time when on our national leadership levels, we were just unmoored. I'm sure he can, you know, go and tap into, you know, like, remember that Harlem base when he goes to his, like, Black mama, mm-hmm. uh, Madam Hazel Dukes, and, like, you know, sort of the Black clergy, who love and care a lot for his dad. Mm-hmm. Ergo, they have a certain love and respect for him. And I don't know if that Harlem crew is very close to Eric Adams. So it's not like Cuomo's coming in with zero Black base. There are a lot of people who actually do like Cuomo still. Because, again, because of his dad. Um, And some things, to be fair, some things that he did during his three terms as governor. I'm always just sort of like these politicians who just, you know, as I've said many times, Cuomo's raised in captivity. But they don't have anything else to do but run. And it's like, this is called public service. And I think it's a calling, but there is something to be said about stepping aside. Like, you're in your 60s. I don't know how much you know about New York City. Like, Cuomo was in New York State most of his life, helping his dad, and then he was governor. But that's very different than knowing the intricacies of New York City. I think that, you know, does he get some sort of Attleboro, Brooklyn, and Queens crowd? Sure. Um, Does he get the business community that has worked with him before? Question mark. That, you know, maybe they think that he could be a better face of some of their projects and initiatives. Um, there's a possibility. I mean, he is, I would say, the first person, and, and this is no disrespect to some of the names who that are being floated, you know, as potential 2025 right. primary folks. But, like, he is the first one because he's been elected for so long, because he has so much name recognition uh, throughout the city and the state, because I think that he can fundraise. And doesn't he have that $18 million just, like, cooling out in, like, a little pocket someplace? Yeah. From back in the day? Or did he have to use all that for his legal funds? Right. And I'm not sure what can be transferred. Um, Look, I think looking at him as a candidate, I think there are a lot of similarities between him and Mayor Adams. They're both sort of like, you know, they used to call him governor of action because he'd like rescue someone on a highway. Mayor (laughs) Adams They're the the ones that wear those like lands in parka jackets with like something on the back. That's like Trust me. Eric (laughs) Adams has some parkas too. And, you know, he'll show up. both of them. To, so they kind of have this real, um, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be on the ground. Do you need me to rescue from a snowplow? You know, I could help you. I do also think that- and you know what's perhaps- interesting though, Katie? It feels different from when Cory Booker did it. Cory Booker, it's like, you're in the way. Beat it. These two, it feels like they've got their parkas and they're like, you know, the working class dudes who like come in and help, you know, lift the truck off the baby or some nonsense like that. Yeah. I mean, look, if if any if my car broke down in the BQA, I'd 
anyone can come help me. I don't care who it is, you know? <laughs> You're like, I'm but, calling Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, I'm going forget AAA. Um, ELA or Andrew Cuomo. We're literally think, writing ads for them. What is going on? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we're we're underpaid for the for what we're doing. Um, I think they also their bases maybe overlap a little bit. Because yes. I said anyone who, you know, for someone on the far left to challenge Eric Adams, they would have to know that they could peel away some of his base of voters who are people who are, I'm going to guess, are a little bit older in your Southeast Queens, Central Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, consistent voters who are maybe a little bit more conservative about the issues. Mm-hmm. And look, I think for everything that, you know, Andrew Cuomo stepped down as governor amidst many investigations, there's still people, and I've covered some of his strongest supporters, you can't take away who he was for them at some of the worst moments of their lives during COVID, right? I mean, then you can get into the, I like to think of the reporting that I did during COVID of just the way that the state was interfering with the city. Mm -hmm. And as Mm -hmm. I like to say, you know, as my neighbors were dying because their Mm -hmm. hospital, Elmore's hospitals was full, the state delayed uh, the authorization of a patient transfer, mm-hmm. um, which the state needed to authorize. So that's what I think of when I think of that. But he was on TV every day at really? the same time, which Bill de Blasio couldn't do. And he was that strong voice for people. And that has strong and steady too. Strong and yeah. steady. Yeah. Now here, Katie, here's something though. You weren't reporting then because you're so young and effervescent, but I do wonder because he's not challenging Adams from the right. And because as you astutely pointed out, that their bases overlap, as do their personalities in some ways. I wonder if Eric Adams will say, see, this is Cuomo from like 2001, 2002 all over again when he tried to, um, when he did challenge Carl McCall. And so is this an, is this what Cuomo does where he sees a black man in power and then decides, well, then it should be mine because Remember, he went against Carl McCall, and there were a lot of Democrats who were like, hey, don't do that. You'll actually weaken him. You know, we really do need a, a Democratic governor, and how about you step aside? And he didn't. And there were always, you know, some there were some things that were said um, that rubbed some folks the wrong way because they had sort of racial undertones and overtones. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, Carl McCall's just, you know, a gentleman, all the things. They squash the beef. And of course, he's like, there is no beef. But some people and probably not many, remember that. And I do wonder if that would be part of Adams' excavation for this Black overlap with Cuomo and Adams to say like, hey, this is what this white boy does. Like, you think he's your friend, but when it's time to like actually have Black people in power, he doesn't. Or will he just pull out all of his Black friends, as we know white politicians do, and say like, no, 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 like, I, that's not true. Like, that was the past, but like, let me just show you all the, the Black people I'm friends with now and... Don't worry about it. I think, again, I hope Eric Adams is listening because that was a great... (laughs) He is not. (laughs) (laughs) He's not. Um, You know, that is something that he could bring out, you know? And the mayor has already alluded to it. Like, And we can now get into some of his challenges. And his reaction to these inquiries or reviews, as he calls them, but no, it's an FBI investigation, federal investigation to his campaign and whatever aspect of it. He does what a lot, you know, and, and in the mayor's defense... He always goes all over the city to churches, to events, but mm-hmm. he really has been leaning into, you know, churches of filled with people who are going to believe his victim, his true victim narrative. Um, he compared himself—well, he didn't compare himself to Jesus on Sunday. He 
talked about the Jesus table flipping story. In the oh Bible. yeah, I saw that. I was like, um, you got the Cliff Notes version of that story. I need yeah. you to like, dust off said Bible. And <laughs> I'm not one to talk, but <laughs> it it the, the story from when I, how I remembered, and then I had to look it up just to make sure that I was paying attention in Catholic school, but. Yeah, Jesus was mad because there were people selling birds, turkey metaphor, in the church. And he didn't like that they were sort of turning the church into this place of business. So I was sort of thought that was an odd metaphor. You know, the mm-hmm. mayor has, when I saw him at the Christian Cultural Center a few months ago, even before all this, but there's always something swirling around him when you're the mayor of New York. He, you know, it was, again, they don't like to see a black man in power. And he could completely bring that up for any, and, and his campaign has kind of already started saying that, oh, these young people running or talking about running and just chomping at the bit and and salivating over a, a weakened Eric Adams. Hazel Dukes doesn't like that. Right. Reverend Al Sharpton doesn't like that. Right. Even though the people whose names have been floated around are not white. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that stuff is interesting. And yeah, I mean, we continue to sort of I don't know, Chrissy, if you've been suffering through watching these off-topic briefings. No, you have a life, so you aren't. But um, my my you parents know, tuned in yesterday. You know what I have? I've got Katie Honan in my text chain. So <laughs> basically, she does the heavy lifting, and I can basically just get the cliff notes. Like, ooh, girl, what happened? And then I just read your reporting. I'm like, ooh, it's like I was there. Well, here's the I, thing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you no I was going to say, I've been trying to figure out if this sort of... I think Errol Lewis said it on New York One this week, but setting it up for like an hour long, like official, like a show, like a weekly mm-hmm. show. With Does the it music. help? The music coming yeah. in. Yeah. And and he's even having more and more reporters coming. There was a reporter who said he was really mad. He's like, I'm from CBS Evening News. And I was okay. Like, okay. I go, well, Marsha Kramer's here. She's from CBS too. She got she got the questions. But I think you're you're drawing more attention to something. I don't know if that's what the mayor necessarily wants. And I don't know. Um, well, it's yes just a no, right? I mean, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's helping or hurting his ultimate goal, which is to sort of deflect. Right. But I mean, if we're thinking about the Trump strategy, which is just throw so much at people. You can't make yeah. heads or tails of things. Like, you can, because your job is to sift through it, you know, hours upon hours every day. But, like, as as a regular voter or someone, it's like, ugh, now they're trying to say he's, you know, involved in a sushi restaurant? Stop picking yeah. on this man, right? Because, you know, we it's all the stories. So it's like a preschool and a, a sushi restaurant, the fire commissioner, the, you know, country of Turkey. Like, it a lot. For you all, you were like, we are putting dots together. We are making a narrative and, you know, the feds might be making a case. But for voters, I'm curious if they're just like, ugh, you guys just like, you know, here we are and you, you'll you find everything. It's like, okay, so in third grade, he like, you know, stole a cookie. Are you going to put that in the, in the report too? Now, here's the thing, Katie, because, you know, I've been trying to work with the idea that we have a mayor who's not my personality style. But really do give him the benefit of the doubt, because I do think he's a really smart politician. Now, I don't know if he's a low-level smart politician, and it doesn't translate to the main stage, or if he's like Donald Trump, where it's like, we will see people around him sink their battleships, but Eric Adams will be just fine. Now, keep in mind, the difference between him and Trump is that he is a Black man, and there are different rules. So Mm -hmm. all you people who like to text Harry and be like, Chrissy likes the mayor too much, (laughs) get into it. I said it. They text so, me sometimes too, Chrissy. If it's- <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. So there's like, there's not this gender dynamic. I was like, I love Harry, but he's not my dad. Like, if you all need to 
text me something, roll up. You know my email address. So I say all that to say, you know, you know, I'm really annoyed by that because I just can't stand when men like go crying to other men. Like she said something that I disagree with. It's like, then get over it or get a podcast or write a letter. I don't care. Um, that being said, I think that the point of this podcast is so we can like have a 360 view of this mayor who none of us can seem to pin down. Like he is just like this ubiquitous character that in some ways is so familiar to some of us because we know how these politicians behave. But then in other ways, he is just like no one I've ever seen before, especially when we when we think about Black leadership, right? He's like the anti-Dinkins, the anti-Corey, the anti-Obama, the anti-Hakeem, like all the things. So I don't know, is this a case of you are Teflon because that's how you go from being a beat cop to the second Black mayor of the city of New York, and you are just that good at making sure Mm -hmm. you don't have a hot phone and you don't tell people not to have a hot phone? like, Or were you really good when the stakes were low and you sort of, you know, did that, the little cheating stuff. Like the, you know, you cut little corners here and there. And now you think that you can cut those little corners as mayor. And those little corners are actually illegal big corners. But I mean, here's the thing. Don't forget the first two years of de Blasio's administration, we thought this man was possibly going to end up in the clink, right? I mean, it was like, what's going to go on with Emma? Is she going to hold the bag? Like, what are we doing? And then, you know, the feds were like, listen, not saying you're innocent, but we can't come for the mayor of New York without all of our T's crossed and I's dotted. So we're just going to leave you be. So I don't know if, if he has that sort of lucky fate or if it's just, I mean, like, come on. I can't make any, pred- I don't know. How it'll go. I, I don't know. I can't call it. That's why I feel so unmoored as a political scientist, because this is the first time on like local state and national levels where it's like, I can't call it. I don't yeah, well, know. Well, you're, si- you're on a political psychic. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's only so much, you know. Call and, me and, now. <laughs> you know, you're not Miss, the Miss Cleo of local politics. Who I also went had. to prison, right? Didn't she? Yeah, she she was lying. Sadly, if you couldn't tell from those ads. <laughs> um, I and she, I think she recently passed away. She um, did. R.I.P. Miss Cleo. I'm sorry. That's. Yeah. The, I don't know if you all saw that documentary though. It was pretty tragic because there's some latent sexuality that she had to repress. And oh, I didn't. Her see. friends kind of knew that she was lying, but they just loved her so much, and they're like, "But you know, she's clearly not Jamaican." Like. There's nothing about her that's Jamaican. Oh, God. that's I'm going to want call me Miss Cleo. Um, yeah, I don't know how it's going to go for... Well, as a reporter, and I do recognize, like, I talk to my lay people friends, my normal friends, and they're like, I don't know, isn't there, like, supposed to just be some corruption to become mayor of New York? So I think people, and I think I've said this before, they accept a base level of corruption. Yes, yes. Um, It is very funny to me what sticks with the general public. So last week, I, I, I recorded the mayor as he was coming in before last week's Off Topic Tuesday. And he, I said, it's finally Tuesday. Because when I was asking him previously, he'd say, wait till Tuesday. Right. And he said to me, Tuesdays is free Sundays day at Carvel. Yes, and me revealing something about myself that perhaps it's like, oh, no, am I going to get fat shamed on the internet? I said, isn't it Wednesday? But most people backed me up because they were, it's it's Carvel, A, it's an iconic New York City area. Mm-hmm. You know, the first one was in Westchester, um, Tom Carvelis. It's iconic to New York City. And they literally trademarked Wednesday is Sunday, right? So I felt better when all these other people were backing me up. But that last Wednesday, I covered a community board meeting and I went to Carvel because I said, I got to get my two for one Sunday. 
I saved this. I didn't eat two. I saved one. So I told the, like the teen working there, I was like, you want to see a funny video? And I showed him the video of the mayor. And this kid was like, yo, that's sick. Yo. <laughs> and then he goes, is that why his phones got seized? So I kind of like that. That is what. <laughs> yeah. Listen, like, people, people hear the, the news. Thing. Yeah. They might not read the news, but they hear the news. And so, I mean, here's the thing. To that point, folks may not read the story about the budget cuts, but it's like, yo, we don't have any libraries now. Yeah. Certain library, certain libraries are closing on Sundays. But if you don't read the news, you might just hear this mofo is closing libraries. Yeah. Or he's like, you know, he's closing schools or whatever the, you know. You hear a lot of Some people are hearing that we're getting, that NYPD gets no cuts. Then other people are hearing that NYPD is getting 20% like everybody else. So I, I think it'll also be interesting to see how he controls the narrative or tries to control said narrative. Also, as an aside, I haven't fought anybody in my grown old age, but I swear if someone tries to fat shame you on the internet, I am taking off these. Oh, but you- <laughs> I'm putting on some you Vaseline, know, old I- school style. Like the we quick, will square up. Queens girls. The quick out. <laughs> the quick Carvel correction. Right. Um, I was like, no, no, no. Um, yeah. So that is what, I don't know. I mean, this is sort of, Figuring out what's gonna if, what I I've heard so many very confident people saying it's he, this is the this is it or we don't know we I'm always not, think I'm it's not, the end yeah is this the end <laughs> I can't sing but you know that new edition song yeah my friend by the way just as an aside you know they're um they're gonna have a residency in Vegas really yes like a Celine Dion residency mm-hmm. are you gonna go. I think so. I mean, I didn't go to Usher, but um, I'm also, there's something about Vegas where my body just has like a visceral reaction to like, are we going to spend money to go to Vegas when we could go to Europe? See previous No, I've been Um, to Vegas (laughs) twice, but um, you know, it's funny. We're talking about trips and I see I'm, I'm taking a sip from my coffee midway through this podcast. And I know some people have asked us about the city's merch. Isn't that right, Chrissy? You've asked me, how do I get a mug? How do I get a hat? People see my tote bag and stop me on the street. Excuse me, madam. Where did you ever get that tote bag? What is that? It's the city tote bag is the new style piece in New York City. So because people have asked, I wanted to let everyone know that our tote bags, mugs, and other things with the logo on the city on them will be available coming soon. Stay tuned to the city social media. Um, because next Monday, which also I'm going to do a plug, happens to be my birthday. We're going to be doing a Cyber Monday flash sale of our totes, mugs, and other things that say the city on them. And it's your chance to get whatever you have been coveting. Uh, get your style. Get a hat. Get a shirt. Uh, I don't know if we have shirts. Get a hat. Get a mug. Get a tote. Show off that you support local journalism in New York City on Cyber Monday. That's Monday the 27th. You can go to the city's website at thecity.nyc. You can go check out our social media, which is at thecityny on social media. We'll be, I'll be tweeting all about the flash sale. And if you're like, what can I get FAQ co-host Katie Hone for her birthday? Don't get me a gift. Buy yourself a city hat. First of all, who doesn't want merch with pigeons on it? I mean, like. Oh, best. Get into it. And also, I just like the fact that it's like it's like we're a secret club. If you have merch, 
then everybody knows that you listen and we know each other and we can identify each other. And also, thank you listeners for like, when you see me in these New York City streets, you actually say like, hey, I listen to FAQ. I really appreciate it because we definitely appreciate you all listening and tuning in every week to hear the musings of Chrissy Greer and the analysis of Katie Honan. Yeah, and I love the best birthday gift is having a job. So I love that I can remain employed in in whichever format I'm currently employed in. So essentially, if you don't donate, you are making life harder for Katie Honan, and nobody wants that. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, you kind of summed it up. (laughs) Anyway. And now you're on my bad list. Okay, so back to these men. Um, You know, Katie, I wasn't with you all last week. Sorry. I was eating fish and drinking wine. Um, But these budget cuts mixed with these allegations definitely make it seem like the mayor's in a tight spot. And I will be curious to see if he can wiggle out of it. It seems as though he's leaning into the, like, blame Joe Biden Mm -hmm. narrative of, like, we don't have because he won't provide. It's like, but didn't you skip that meeting? But okay. But um, as Joe Biden's numbers, so, like, now we've got to zoom out 30,000 feet and look at the national scale. And, like, I don't put too, too much credence in polling, but unfortunately, I do hear things from students and Black women, highly educated Black women, who have talked to me about their feelings towards Joe Biden, which do concern me. Um, and I think that there's like a lack of enthusiasm that the mayor has sensed. I mean, you can look at the polling and see, but I think, you know, he does have his his ear to the ground. He might not listen to this podcast, but he's got enough people who who listen around. Um, And he knows that Joe Biden's clearly not um, riding high, even though he's got several accomplishments over the past two years. So I think I'm curious as to how long the narrative of it's Joe Biden's fault, not mine, not mismanagement, um, how long he can kind of ride that narrative. Because a lot of people are seeing the budget cuts as his fault, not Joe Biden's. Yeah, and we could promote our friend Harry Siegel's column in this past weekend's edition of the Daily News, where... And a lot mm-hmm. of people have said, look, obviously he's blaming the asylum seeker crisis and the cost to the city for that. Jacques Sheeha has said as much yesterday and off in, in Tuesday's Off Topic Tuesday, Jacques whipped out a chart when he was asked about the rising migrant costs. Um, so I think people have, the city council has said, look, some of your migrant spending seems to be excessive. Mm-hmm. It's for-profit companies that you're contracting out in these emergency contracts. They're not getting properly vetted. What's the deal with that? But yeah, you know, I wrote this week about, um, and actually I wrote about it because someone reached out to me. Uh, you know, the Parks Department, a lot of their oh. workers, especially their cleaning staff, their maintenance staff, is through program, a program called POP, Parks Opportunity Program. It's been around. Yes, that article was excellent. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not saying that to but someone reached out to me, you know, just this really heartfelt thing of like, I've never reached out to a reporter, but this was cut. And you know, you get these budget books, there's a million pages long. Right. This is a program funded through HRA and DSS, but through the Parks Department. And it's it's an opportunity for people who, um, you know, for whatever reason are receiving benefits and they're connected to this program. But the bulk of the city's parks are cleaned and maintained by this staff. And it was completely cut in the budget. Um, the Parks Department will have to, they said they'll hire seasonal workers, <clears throat> you know, but it's also a program they connect you with job uh, counselors, they connect you with services, they help you get trained, whether it's in an eight-hour safety course, or you get your mm-hmm. GED, you get your driver's license. The woman I spoke with, 
participated in the program 15 years ago and through it ended up becoming a local three electrician. That's one of the hardest unions really to get mm-hmm. into, especially for a woman, for her, a woman of color, an immigrant who had uh, is a survivor of domestic violence. She's recently went back through the program. You know, as she said, life happened. She's been sober for two years. She wanted to get back into steady work. She was furloughed as an electrician. You know, she told me this is a program about redemption, right? So this mm. is a program that gets cut. Obviously, you need to make tough decisions, but seeing, I think we're going to see the real impact of that over the next few months as it's difficult to maintain parks. Sanitation mm. was cut. So we're going to have the local composting will not receive any money anymore. We're really going to see this. And yeah, the libraries, you know, I, I saw a misreported that it's all weekend coverage, uh, weekend service. It's Sunday. The libraries, not all libraries have Sunday as well. So it's sort of a mixed bag of that. But yeah, I think people are not, I mean, Cardi B in her viral video blamed Joe Biden correctly in terms of, well, I don't want to say correctly, but she put it on Joe Biden for not giving right. more help to the, the municipalities. But they're going to blame Eric Adams. Yeah. And this isn't new. Parents and educators and students have already for the past two years blamed the mayor for cuts in their schools. Um, They've reduced, you know, hours at an after school program for middle school. So these little cuts that I can understand they're necessary for saving money and and bridging the seven billion dollar budget gap um, and the out year gaps in the coming years are even higher. But, yeah, these are real cuts that people are going to feel. So then, yeah, you know, again, And, and visuals that they will see. Because the parks won't be as clean. And then we get into, you know, broken windows territory. But here's what I'm curious about. The people who were, like, ringing the alarm, like, can you believe it about these libraries and parks and all these other programs? In the Eric Adams estimation, are these his voters? Do these people vote? And did they vote for him? So it's like the people who were like, I use the library every Sunday, which a lot of different types of families do. Of that group, like, what's the Venn diagram of people who didn't vote? Or people who voted for, you know, the more progressive candidates and Eric Adams is like, okay, well, you weren't going to vote for my re-election anyway. So, like, let me focus on the issues of my voters or my potential voters. I'm just curious as to, like, what his calculus is. I think it does make it a lot more complicated for him if a Cuomo runs as opposed to a progressive. Because a progressive, he can set up a clear narrative of, look at what happens when progressives are in charge and they don't know, right? And so then... They give away money and blah, 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 and give away the store. When it's Andrew Cuomo, who also we know is not shy uh, when it comes to, you know, negative campaigning um, or negative whisper campaign, shall I say, uh, I think that's a harder challenger because he's so similar to Eric Adams in personality style. And he does have, dare I say, like a 25-year head start politically on Eric Adams, but not in the city. But not in the city. Right. And I don't know if he says, like, I wouldn't have. I mean, I'm trying to imagine Andrew Cuomo being like, I would have never cut Sunday service at the library. I don't know if um, he's on that end. Yeah. And I I I, the mayor's calculation, from what I can tell, is he's hoping that people do. You know, he said, you're mad at these cuts. So am I. Um, Mm -hmm. And blame squarely on the feds. But I think a lot of people are like, no, well, you could have. You could have well, saved money other ways. Well, it's hard to have sympathy for the mayor when I'm looking at some digi dog or some random robot that's like, you know, a Roomba at the subway and miscellaneous police toys. Like, for someone like me, I'm like, that's where the money's going. Like, you actually do have money for libraries. You're giving it away so people, these grown men, can, like, have, like, fun electronic toys that do nothing or just hyper-surveil 
and make my life actually less safe. So, but then again, I vote. I'm also a peculiar voter, but like a lot of people who would agree with me aren't necessarily voters. I mean, we can yeah. look at the numbers and it's like our municipal voting is so abysmal and embarrassing. I don't know what the Venn diagram looks like for people who are highly critical of the mayor and people who actually vote in municipal elections. Yeah. And I think it the mayor has been also trying to get people particularly very angry at asylum seekers. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think it's a tactic to, you know, divide and be conquered instead of instead of. If you're like a working class New Yorker, instead of seeing empathy for people coming and recognizing, you know, I'm not too far off from needing more help from the city. It's they're taking all our, they're freeloading, they're taking all of our stuff, taking all of our resources and that kind of thing. Which is interesting because he's got a gaggle of immigrants in his inner circle. Which, you know, this reminds me of like Arizona when you have like Latinos who hate immigrants. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of like you're setting it up in New York where you have so many people in your inner circle who aren't Black American. They are from various Caribbean countries and South American countries. And they are also saying the same thing as the mayor. And it's like, oh, okay. So like we're doing that now. I mean, it's the tale as old as time when it comes to yeah. New York City and the United States. But it saddens the door me in on your. Close the door on your way in type of mentality. Right. Listen, I, cl- I, I climbed up this yeah. ladder and I I did it. So now we need to right. pull up the ladder and see what you can do. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that, yeah, it has been a significant financial strain. Um, but, you know, I don't. Right. I think the narrative of people are trekking all this way just to get a free. People always say right. luxury hotel room. There's nothing luxurious mm-hmm. about, you know, a tent in Floyd Bennett Field. Well, there's nothing luxurious about not knowing where your meal or your housing and language barriers. There's a reason why people are risking life and limb and leaving family to come here. Um, Yeah. I I just, I think so many New Yorkers don't realize that they are closer to the migrants than they are to this, you know, a a lot of Americans are sort of aspirational voters, which explains Donald Trump in a lot of ways, but it's like, you your life circumstances are way closer to being ousted. All it takes is one landlord who jacks up the rent. What are you going to do? Sue me? Take me to court? Like you're still on the street, right? I mean, this is shout out to Troop Six Thousand, uh, the unhoused Girl Scout mm-hmm. troop. But like so many of those women are in domestic violence situations, or the landlord changed the rules and jacked up the rent. And it's like I've got three kids. There are a lot of places that don't want to rent to someone with three kids because of wear and tear. Or they don't want to take someone who has Section 8 vouchers because even though some people must, they're like, no, I won't. So take time off of your two and a half jobs and take me to court and let it inch through there for the next two years while you still don't have a place to live. So I I feel like there's some empathy that needs to happen in a large I I mean, people, everyone's hustling to survive and, you know, it's hard. I, I understand that. And when you're living paycheck to paycheck and trying to pay these insane rents. Um, yeah. Listen. But yeah. But let's. I, I started my time in New York making $15,500 when I was a graduate student and my rent was $750 a month. Wow. And that was subsidized. But like, let's it's be hard. clear. I know how to make ramen 12 ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we end it on a, a positive one. note? Yes. Let's. So two yes. things. I guess I'll ask you, what are your Thanksgiving plans? And then okay. what are you thankful for? Mm. This sounds like a prompt at a large Thanksgiving dinner, but what do you think? Yeah, well, that's what we do every year for our Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) So this year I'm hosting. Uh, Mm. My father is coming to town and I'll have 12 people at my table. 
Um, and he smokes all the meats on the grill. So I've never had a Thanksgiving oven turkey. I've only had a slow smoked grill, grilled turkey, uh, and lamb and salmon and ham. But we're, you know, we're black Americans from the South. So there's like mac and cheese, collard greens. Yeah. I make the sweet potato pie for my grandmother's recipe. Uh, but we're, you know, we also have the dabble in Caribbean ancestry. So we have like ceviche and pigeon peas and rice. Wow. And a friend of mine's Haitian, she's bringing rice and peas. So it'll be black American Caribbean. Um, Thanksgiving ages 33 to 87. Wow. Because I believe in intergenerational um, Thanksgiving. So what am I thankful for? I'm thankful, A, for you, Harry and Adam, and this podcast oh. and our listeners. I really am. Um, but you know, Katie, I'm a little bit older than you, and I didn't understand this until like, I'm getting, I'm starting to understand it. When people are like, I'm thankful for my health. I've had some friends with some pretty serious health challenges, and I've Lost two friends this year alone. Um, shout out to Ibrahim Abdul-Mateen, who was a guest of the podcast. And so, and I'm still like processing. But, you know, like when people say like, I'm thankful for my health, my friends and my family who are healthy. I really am like genuinely thankful that like, you know, trying to get into that mindset of like, I get to work out. You know, like yeah. you all know I had this torn tendon. So I was a little immobile. And that was like a humbling experience to not be able to just do things um, that I've always wanted to, you know, just get up and go and walk around the city. So mm -hmm. this year I'm genuinely thankful for like my health, but like the health of friends and family. Yeah. What about you? Oh, me, I, for us, we always and go I to And I can't wait to hear, give me the menu. Come on. What are we eating? And we, we, just eat go at, to... we eat at 3.30. Okay. As I've so discussed this pod before, we eat like before noon every year. 6 a.m. Like, I mean, I'm going to my parents' house in Rockaway. You know, we have a small, it's like my sister, brother-in-law, nephew, my aunt on my mom's side, my parents. Um, yeah. My mom does all the cooking. If you, if you even, if I, when I'm over there and I even try to like cook myself an egg. She's like, it. I, yeah. So I don't mess around in her kitchen. She, this morning was like, we're not going to have a full breakfast. We're just going to have an antipasto platter for... <laughs> breakfast which i'm fine with i'll Please take a picture of it and send it to me i will yeah so we eat really early then we kind of just i am i'm a big fan of the early thanksgiving dinner if everything's finished because look then you get to mooch off your friends mm -hmm. like there was one year i had three thanksgiving dinners because it's like we ate early had dessert rested watch the dogs right the little dog show then it's like family friends oh okay they're just wrapping up their dinner i'll pop by there for dessert Okay, oh, yeah. you want to make my little plate? Yeah, I'll take some. And then I have friends who are from Argentina. You know, they're always eating late. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, you want to come over? I'm like, yeah, I'll eat at 9 p.m. So it right. becomes a really, like, long thing. Um, so, yeah, that's great. On my the block that I grew up on, they do a little football game. They put out food. So you're kind of eating all day. So as long as you get hours out of the way. My mom last year recorded a video where she just talked to, she was, she's not a doctor, but she watched a lot of medical shows. She's like, it's actually better for your digestive system to eat this early. So she felt very confident in that. But yeah, as for what I'm thankful for, it's this podcast and being able to work and do the job mm -hmm. that I, I love. I always sound really corny, but I love being a reporter so much. I have so much fun. Like, when I'm working at City Hall with my colleagues, you know, and people from all these different outlets, but I'm like, I can't think of anyone else having more fun than us right now, even mm -hmm. when you're writing about serious stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I've said this before, you know, from being like a little outer borough rat 
from the true edge of the city where like, you know, the only chance you got to have interaction with the mayor was to boo whoever came to a parade. But now, I, you know, getting to ask right. the mayor of the city questions on behalf of my neighbors, right? And the New Yorkers is, is it, it, I try to never take it for granted or try to do mm-hmm. that. Like, you know, oh God, I'm so busy. Uh, first of all, I'm always like, guys, we're just reporters. We're not curing any diseases. We're not curing childhood relax. leukemia over here. So like, you know, everybody yeah, likes you're not, you're not in a farm, so you know, I'm right. not like picking strawberries and yeah, doing morning. whatever. Um, and yeah, and yeah, I would say I have, I'm, I'm always trying to reflect on, I guess, especially around my birthday, like my large network of people, mm-hmm. my family who I'm very close with, who are all, thank God, healthy and happy and thriving. And my friends, you know, I always say I have like a long list of people. If I want to call, I can call up 15 people to mm-hmm. complain about something stupid and they'll be happy to listen to me. So that is always yeah. a blessing. I had no idea that you and Harry were birthday uh, but yeah, well, he's a Scorpio, I guess, but I'm because he's right at the cusp. But right. yeah, he's Harry's birthday was on Tuesday. That's right. Um, so wait, this makes you a Sag? I'm a Sagittarius. No yeah. wonder. Uh oh, you're not no. the first person to say that. I don't know. No, it's just listen. I get. I have a a lot of my closest friends are Sagittarius. There's <laughs> you know, there's something about that like hot fire energy that you know, as a crab, I'm like I'm into it. <laughs> I'm right, like yeah. you know, I, I I'm don't a know. centaur. Too okay. much about um, horoscopes, but I do know that, like, I get along very well with a lot of Sagittariuses. Um, so, okay, listeners, let us know. What are you all thankful for? What yeah, are your Thanksgiving plans? I wish they were – I want our, our listeners to be a little more, like, interactive with us on, like, the interwebs. They want I you to get it. tweet at you when they're well, mad. <laughs> listen, that part. <laughs> I block people with a quickness. <laughs> like, the block party is beyond. Boom. But I mean, like, let us know. Like, what are you all doing for Thanksgiving? What are you thankful for? Um, you Send know. us a pick of your plates because I always like to see what other people uh, are eating. Yes. I, okay. So, wait, what's your favorite dish? I always look forward to the mac and cheese. And as, as a black person, it's too much pressure for me to make it. I can't. I, I told my, my friend Akisa, who's like an amazing cook, I was like, you're in charge of the mac and cheese. I, it's too much pressure because if the mac and cheese and her, hers is going to be great. But like, if it's, if it's not good, then you know that's the whole dinner. I hate turkey. I, I this is this, I I know this is not technically a dish, but my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the gravy. So whatever can help what? me get to the gravy. I always ask this question to my students, and like we literally like come to blows because some people are turkey people. A lot of my students are mashed potato people, and oh, I'm yeah, like, is this too, a yeah. new? I was like, maybe I don't make know. Make a little cultural. volcano for the yeah, gravy. But I'm like, I, we've never had mashed potatoes. For Thanksgiving, never, not mm. once in my entire life, and I'm uh, in my forties. So yeah, that's I. I guess it's like turkey mashed potatoes, but it's so foreign to me. Okay, let's that's stick that. the landing. That's that next week. Thanksgiving. This More is turkeys? not the last time we'll turkeys be talking turkeys about turkeys. <laughs> Tur- we can talk about turkey, the country. We can talk about turkeys, the ones we ate. We can b- talk about turkeys, the ones who are running um, for office, and yeah. There you go. Have a, everyone have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Stay safe and warm, and we will see you all next week. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is part of The City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting journalism that serves the people of New York. Right now, The City is in the middle of its year-end fundraising campaign. 
If you like what you're hearing, the best way to support the pod is by setting up a monthly recurring donation by going to thecity.nyc slash give. If you already make a monthly donation and want to add a little special one-time gift, you can also do that at thecity.nyc slash give. As ever, FAQ's work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc, and the pod also receives support from P&T Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side with a podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. The podcast is a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists, and is affiliated with the Colin Powell School at CUNY City College, where I, Christina Greer, is one of the Moynihan Public Scholars Inaugural Fellows. Our hosts for this episode were me, Chrissy Greer, and Katie Honan. Our engineer is Adam Kamara, and our executive producer is Harry Siegel. Thank you, listener, for joining us, making it this far. Be kind, be cool, be warm, be dry. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back soon with more. Put your politics aside now. Just enjoy the ride on a boat full of gravy. Got potatoes, better mash them. Political opinions, better smash them. Gamble, gamble. <laughs> <laughs>